everybody. I'm Kelly Ellers. I'm Jeffrey London. And this is Volume Up by The Tease. So big news, right? Huge news. The Texture Style Awards. Last week, big, big deal. Shout out to our friend and friend of the podcast, Monet Everett, for the incredible production. Yeah, it went off. The ceremony, the cocktail party, the after party, all of the things. And the Tease team was, of course, there on site. Um, shout out to literally everybody involved, but especially Monet. What did you think of the winners? I mean, chef's kiss. Yes, to all the winners. I mean, I love second annual, right? Mm-hmm. So we're year two. I mean, it was a celebration of working with all of the hair textures. Mm. And again, personal kudos again to Monet for doing the dang thing. Yeah. It's a lot of work. Doing it. So much work. Shout out to her. Um, And yeah, yeah, I just, I'm so excited about who wound up winning. The finalists were incredible. Yep. Obviously, all of this is on the tease.com. Please go and check it out if you've missed these things. But yeah, some surprise winners, uh, some sweeps. People winning multiple categories. Love to see that. I love a sweep. Exactly. Yeah. Again, a great time. <laughs> have by all. But yeah, go to thetees.com and check out the various articles about this, um, but especially the winners. Um, and yeah, they're all over our socials. Like, give them some love. Make sure that you're following them, championing their work because they deserve it. All right, Kelly. I mean, obviously, this is all over thetees.com. We've got the winners. So again, please go and check that out. But I want to know who, which category, who really stood out for you? Um, what was the look that was like that? That is the thing. You know, it's it's simplistic, the one that I'm choosing. And it's actually in the student hair down style category. Okay. Sarah Carroll um, at Sarah did my dot hair, which is such a cute IG handle. But the curls, the coils are perfection. And for a student, I say, well done. Incredibly well done. Um, my fave, I think Laura Gunter for coily hair down style. So good. Actually, there were two different entries from Laura in this category. Um, she killed it, but that one was the one, the winning entry was my favorite entry of all of them. Um, shout out to the photographer as well. Like yeah. that image is incredible. But the hair, I mean, you said Chef's Kiss, like that's where we're at. Unreal. Yeah, love it. What a celebration. On our last episode, we talked with Dr. Varma. Dr. Varma is the co-founder and CEO of Phyla, the world's most advanced probiotic acne system. He has 10 plus years of microbiome research, including an extensive background in bioorganic chemistry, microbiology, and synthetic biology. All of the ologies. (laughs) Dr. Varma's vision... Dr. Varma's vision is to change the way we treat chronic bacterial diseases and is working tirelessly to achieve this goal with a microbiome-based technology platform. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review, and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok at Read the Tease, and send in questions to volume up at thetease.com. Do it. This week, we're talking with Edgar Parra. Edgar is a hairstylist and Opal founder. Beginning his professional career in New York, Parra quickly became involved in editorial photo shoots for top publications and fashion week shows for the likes of Naeem Khan, Veronica Beard, Patricia Field, Rebecca Minkoff, and Lisa Perry. Opal is a wellness and beauty brand that is focused on providing tailored beauty services and a luxurious client experience within your home. Opal is your new at-home beauty solution, and we're going to talk all about it on today's pod. Next up, a little topic that I think we're going to have to have a little rant about. There was an article, a Dear Annie, if you will. (laughs) I need to break up with my unprofessional hairstylist. Do I owe him an explanation? Let me give you a little more context. So I don't, the, the, the caller, the viewer, the writer says, I don't know how to break up with my hairdresser. I've been going to him for five years. My hair has never looked better. However, during the past year or so, things have changed and I'm no longer happy with his service. 
He sent me the wrong conditioner. Then he wouldn't take it back. An appointment took an hour longer. Then he rescheduled. When he doesn't have downtime, he's no longer chatting with me. Okay, but the real kicker is during some appointments, his assistants do most of the work, except the trimming and finishing. He's gone through four assistants and he body shamed one of them. He body shamed one of the other stylists in front of all of the clients. Ooh. So he is also the salon owner. <laughs> so this is a layered layers of, of question marks. Yeah. Wow. Should the caller, the writer, text, call, or write him a letter to tell him why, or just slip away quietly? Jeff, we need you to weigh in. So I don't know if this is actually a thing. The, the phrasing is Irish goodbye. Mm. I am of Irish heritage. And I feel like <laughs> that's my natural inclination would be like, and we're done here. I'm certainly not going to. Although, okay. In the moment, mm. I think I probably would have had something to say about the body shaming. Just because I tend not to be okay with like people doing things that make other people feel terribly uncomfortable. Um, and I can't help myself. But if I didn't say anything in the moment, I don't know how I would be able to be like texting, like, actually, we're not, I'm not gonna. Yeah. I would just be like, no, we're never, I'm never like, peace, we're, we're done. I'm never coming back. That's my take. What, what would you do? Yeah. I mean, I love a good Irish goodbye at a party. Yeah. That is my MO all day. Just like, boop, gone. Oh, where did she go? Who knows? Exactly. That's the best. You just didn't see me. Yeah. Then I was tired. Um, but I don't know. I feel like the level of professionalism has gone downhill with this particular stylist. Clearly. Which we do not like to see in our industry. No, no. So um I I I probably beg to to be on your side of this because I'm also incredibly non-confrontational. And so I would either Irish goodbye or perhaps send an email, which is also slightly passive aggressive i, I mean emails emails are easier to do i guess than like a text if it's like text is too close yeah that's too close yeah yeah, yeah. but an, an email to like the the info at salon would be like nice and yeah i just want you to know i wouldn't be that rude either yeah yeah, yeah. i don't do rude so i would just be like you know i think it's time to move on here's why if you're wondering thank you so much and wishing you all the best yeah but we want to hear from the pros in our audience. Yeah. Have you been in this position? What do you What do you prefer? Do you want to know? Yeah. Or do you just want to be like, oh, I don't have that client anymore. They're not coming back. Yeah. Maybe the feeling was mutual. That's I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like not such a, a great guy. But, you know, here we are. Here we are. <laughs> Let's talk about some actually great people. Okay. Shall we? Uh, there's some really exciting things happening over on the tease.com. We already alluded to our coverage of the Texture Style Awards, but let's talk about some other things. Our editorial team has been hard at work this week on covering industry news, looking into trends and diving into brands you don't know, but you should. And here are some of our favorite headlines. First up, Brazil-based hairstylist Josue Jacastro is using banana leaves to make color services more eco-friendly. Much has already been said about the salon professional industry's huge waste problem. According to data from Green Circle Salons, the salon industry in the U.S. and Canada sends a whopping 877 pounds of waste to landfills every single minute. That's crazy. Not hour, not day, minute. Mm -hmm. uh, the good news is that the industry is starting to shift towards a more environmentally friendly practices with many brands beginning to prioritize clean ingredients, ethical and sustainable sourcing, responsible packaging, and environmental giving. 
But it's not just brands that are trying to do some good for the earth. There are a number of individuals in our industry who are doing their part by searching for, and in some cases, creating products and tools to help make the hairdressing industry a bit more green. Take, for example, Brazil-based hairstylist Josue Jucastro, who's been using an eco-friendly alternative instead of traditional foils to set his clients' highlights. Banana leaves. Hesitates to better understand how banana leaves can be used in the salon industry, including insight into the preparation that's needed to use banana leaves as foils, additional eco-friendly methods to use as a hairstylist, and how Josue uses his platform to drive more awareness around sustainability. I'm obsessed with this story. I think it's so wild. Um, I've obviously watched a lot of these videos where, again, insert air quotes, you can't see me. Um, there's a lot of foil pulling, but they're not foils. They are banana leaves. Um, have you seen some of these videos? It's crazy. I am also obsessed with this and how ingenious he is to think of this. And, you know, I've seen the videos. I love the videos. But you also got to check out his channels, too, because he's cut the banana leaves into the specific sizing. Mm-hmm. Um, he uses them fresh, but they can be used up to 30 days. And then in addition, he's not using aluminum anymore and he doesn't use plastic. He makes his own coloring bowls from coconut and spatulas from bamboo. I mean, yeah, yeah, this is a craft and I'm here to see it. And I love it. Walking the walk. So impressive. For sure. Uh, and yeah, wow, 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 wow. Shout out to him. Uh, go to the TS.com and read more about it. Also on the tease, uh, something that is quite cool. Uber Lease expands its Bond line with a new Bond Purple collection. Leading innovator in hair care products, Uber Lease announced that they are adding to their product assortment with two new products, Bond Purple Shampoo and Bond Purple Conditioner. This effective team delivers unrivaled moisture and strength and reduces yellow tones by 45%. When used together, the Bond Purple Shampoo and Conditioner reduce breakage by up to 52%. Dr. Ali Syed, chief chemist and founder of Uber Lease, explains the uses and benefits of the new product by saying, our Bond Purple collection not only combats brassiness, but also enhances hair moisture and elasticity. This is a common concern for individuals with blonde or gray hair. Head to thetease.com to learn more about these new products and how they recommend, the brand that is, that you use them with clients. Can we... Talk about for a second how incredible the release packaging is. Like a purple shampoo we love, but like, ooh. It's all good. It's very poppy. And I feel like they designed it to pop off the shelf. So mm-hmm. when pros are looking, they're seeing it. And who doesn't love an innovative new purple shampoo and conditioner? I mean, I love a good toner. I love no, no, no brassiness here. None needed. No, no. Get out. Get out. <laughs> get out. Uh, but get on my shelf. Uh, <laughs> next up on the tease.com, Paul Mitchell celebrates newly released colorways collection with the launch of a new color contest. With bold and bright colors flooding the requests at salons, Paul Mitchell has launched Colorways, a new collection of semi-permanent pigments to meet the demand. These nine intermixable shades include a verdant green, cooling aqua, and even a hot pink to fit the current craze. To celebrate this new color collection, Paul Mitchell is holding a brand new contest via Instagram, creating opportunities for color artists to show their mastered techniques of color application using these Colorways products. Paul Mitchell teamed up with lead brand ambassador Fern Andong, who is well known for wild designs and bold colors to announce the color collection, launch, and contest. If you're a colorist that's ready to put your skills to the test, head to thetease.com for more information on how to enter the contest, the list of prizes, big ones, and a helpful step-by-step on how to use these colorways shades. Kelly, mm-hmm. look, both of us do not have 
the appropriate starting level to, to really engage in this, this colorways contest. But if your hair were appropriately light, mm-hmm. and if you were in the mindset of having one of these wildly designed looks, what colors would you opt for? You know, I if you check out the article on the tees.com, mm-hmm. that is what I would go for. So it's a little bit of platinum, diluter color, they're calling it, gray, a little bit of aqua, and just a hint of purple. Mm. It's stunning. At the roots, especially. The roots are amazing. The, the roots are, again, we said chef's kiss earlier. That's where I'm at. What about you? Um, I am feeling like my very, very, very best friend is getting married, so I cannot do anything immediately. Yeah. But I've been wanting to go pink for a minute. Ooh. And so the pink is speaking to me. And I think that I might do it in early fall, even though pink and fall don't necessarily, but I'm going to do it. I'm in California. Who cares? Seasons aren't real. Carry out the Barbie crossover into the fall, will you? <laughs> uh, yes, I'm bringing the energy into fall. <laughs> As always, so much going on at thetease.com. Thank you to our hardworking editors. We are proud to publish stories that salon pros and consumers care about. Next up, Jeff's interview with Edgar Parra, a hairstylist and Opal founder. Edgar Parra is a hairstylist and Opal founder. Beginning his professional career in New York, Para quickly became involved in editorial photo shoots for top publications and fashion week shows for the likes of Naeem Khan, Veronica Beard, Patricia Field, Rebecca Minkoff, and Lisa Perry. He's also styled elites for the annual Met Ball and countless celebs including Bella Hadid, Kate Walsh, Olivia Wilde, Lana Del Rey, Carolyn Murphy, Emily Mortimer, and Martha Stewart. Opal is a wellness and beauty brand that is focused on providing tailored beauty services and a luxurious client experience within your home. Opal is your new at-home beauty solution. Edgar, welcome to the Volume Up Podcast. We are thrilled to have you. How are you doing this morning? Hello, hello. I'm great. How are you doing? I could not be any better um, at the moment. It's a beautiful day and we're about this uh, combo. So let's get into it. Edgar, uh, for those who are maybe not familiar with you and your background, can you tell us a little bit about how you got into beauty? Of course. So I got into beauty very early on. I moved to New York when I was 19 years old for beauty school. Um, I started at Aveda Institute and continued a relationship with them post-graduating. And I moved back home for a little bit and then ended up back in New York for work, obviously developing my career and just kind of growing. Did you always know that you were going to go into beauty? I mean, you went to beauty school at a fairly young age. I mean, was this something you always imagined for yourself? You know, I I did. I was fortunate and blessed enough to really always know that about myself. And I really, I really find it so fortunate because so many people spend so much time of their lives kind of going through that journey of figuring out what they want to do. So I was always lucky enough to know that I wanted to do hair specifically, not even just beauty. (laughs) Yeah, that's amazing. We, I mean, we ask the question because so many people come from so many different ways into beauty, um, as you just said, and sometimes they know from the jump and sometimes they sort of stumble into it. So it's always fun to get the perspective. Yeah, I always had a calling for it. Ever since I was um, a child, I remember always, you know, playing with friends' hair and always, you know, kind of getting my hands in there. So from very early on, that's, I think, a commonality that we have with a lot of our guests that either their hands are always in hair or they sort of fell into it from some other thing that brought them to it. Um, would love to, to know, I mean, you mentioned Aveda. Um, what was that experience like? Oftentimes we talk to stylists and 
they either had a really great experience in school or they learned everything out um, after the fact. So would love to, to hear from you. Like, what was that experience like for you? Yeah, you know, I think beauty school specifically is really meant to prepare you to get your license, right? So it's not where you're going to learn how to be creative. I think all of your creative outlets come when you put yourself in situations where you're around the aesthetics that you want to um, recreate, I guess. Mm. I am a strong believer that as an artist, we attract similar people as ourselves in terms of clients. So I feel like that goes the same way with creativity. You kind of share that same aesthetic in a way. So it creates, you know, that your journey starts very soon after you're done with school, discovering who you are as an artist, what your aesthetic is, who you want to be, all of that comes much later. Oh, I love the way that you're describing that uh, in terms of thinking it as just being the beginning of something. A lot of people think about it like, oh, well, I got it and I'm good to go. Um, but that's not necessarily the case. Um, talk to us a little bit about mentors. Um, did you have mentors along the way that helped you in terms of building up a career um, in shaping that aesthetic? Of course. Oh, you did. Okay. All right. Let's hear about it. So I started my career at Sally Hirschberger in the Upper East Side. And I was working with a stylist at the time that um, was between downtown and uptown. So I got the taste of both worlds. And mm. it's crazy to think of what a difference it makes to just be in two different neighborhoods within Manhattan that can be so far from each other and still the same beauty brand. It's, it's really the whole thing is fascinating. And I just, you know, she was obviously an iconic hairstylist and basically created the luxury space for beauty. And, you know, she, I will never forget when she looked at me downtown and she's like, you need to be on the floor cutting hair. Like, you know, it's like having like a rock star come up to you and say that was really pivotal point for me. And, you know, she was definitely, we worked on shoots together. She's definitely, I consider her, you know, an inspiration and a mentor through the process. Um, you know, if she wasn't, if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't, you know, be here now. Oh, I love that. Uh, talk to us a little bit about that that journey then. Um, so you mentioned being behind the chair, being in multi-locations, the sort of differences. Mm -hmm. But you just dropped that Easter egg in terms of the editorial. Um, how did you get involved with that side of the business? Because this is something that people don't necessarily know how to... Assisting. Okay. All right. Yeah. Assisting. Assisting. You know, I think um, to kind of piggyback of what you said earlier, I think hairstylists now are so focused on either being famous or just having clients and there's no time for that process of learning and you know really mastering your craft and that's something that 14 years ago the only way into the industry was to put in the grindwork and assist a major hairdresser in the industry especially when it comes to editorial work a lot of it is so avant-garde or seamlessly effortless and you know all of that again comes with aesthetic and learning you know it's a very orchestrated you know fine line where you have to put in the work to really, you know, identify and determine yourself as an artist. Mm. Talk to us a little bit about, you know, editorial is one thing. Um, then you branched out into working with celebs, mm -hmm. not within the context of a shoot. So how did that happen? Um, where did your level of comfort like come from? Um, how do, do you ever get used to how cool that is? I, you know, I think I, I'm so numb to it now that I don't even think it, the people that shock me are not like, you know, your average celebrity. It'll be like a random musician, you know, that like barely nobody knows, but you know, or a DJ, something like, 
you know, I think editorial is a good way to get your foot in the door. Um, you know, to me, it's much cooler to have assisted in shoots with Stephen Gann and Corinne Rothfield. Like, those are celebrities to me. Sure. You know, although we were shooting, you know, a major person, it's still those moments that you kind of like, ah, I did that. Mm, mm. Well, we're going to get into some of that, uh, things that you've done, because you've done some big things over the course of your career, um, one of which is founding Opal. So if you wouldn't mind, how how did that happen? Where was the spark for for what became Opal Beauty? So among the many like facets of the beauty industry and working in salon and editorials, I've always done private clients at home. There's always been an audience for that. Mm -hmm. And I think I always saw that throughout my um, career in hair in New York specifically, as people want to get ready at home for kind of special events. And I think people have normalized it in a way. And, you know, to use an example, the Kardashians film themselves getting ready at home all the time. All the time. They totally normalize that for everyone. Everyone wants to feel like a Kardashian. Everyone wants to feel like a celebrity at home. So I wanted to create that accessible for my clients. Um, clients always, you know, hated texting me and like didn't want to bother me about availability or rates. Yep. And as an artist, you hate talking about money and you hate talking, you know, you just want to make it easy for everyone as we're people pleasers. So that's how Opal really came about. It really started for my clients. And then, you know, we started growing the idea and kind of, you know, brainstorming and we're like, wait, everybody could use this. We can create a community of artists and like really you know, come together and grow as a community. And really, we all kind of already know each other. So it's really it's a lot smaller when you really start talking to people. For sure. So talk to us a little bit about what services are offered before we get into the community aspect, because I think that that's so cool. But just like top line. We offer hair, makeup and nails as extensive as eyelash extensions to hair extensions. So we're a full range beauty concierge service. So whatever demands the clients have, we try to accommodate them. Ugh. Is there anything that is too far? Have you ever been like, nope, can't do that. That's not something that we're willing to offer. We've got it all, but not that thing. <laughs> no, <laughs> I mean, I haven't gotten any outrageous requests. Sure. I've gotten interesting applications of people, services that we don't even offer mm. that um, people are trying to offer at home. And it's just not, you know, we're very neat to the beauty industry. So we want to keep it very beauty oriented. Sure. So talk to us about the ideation. We understand that sort of came up naturally in your course of work, um, but making it into a full-fledged business um, and bringing in other stylists. I mean, I would imagine there's been challenges along the way. Talk to us about what that was like in terms of getting this up off the ground. It's a roller coaster. <laughs> it's a roller coaster. I think that you don't really know what you're signing up for when you decide to do something like this. Yeah. You just do it and you kind of go with the motions of what is life, you know? Mm. I think that that's beautifully put. Um, truly, until you're in it, you don't know. Um, how many different artists are you working with? Uh, how does the sort of collective come together? We're, we're curious. There's around 50 artists now, and we're based in New York, LA, and Miami. So it's a very niche group of individuals, right? So a lot of the artists already have an agency, or they work at a salon, or they have their own beauty brand. But we have a very talented group of artists, and we're very selective and niche and who we have on the platform. 
So are there plans to expand beyond those cities? I mean, I imagine you've got your hands full with those three markets as it is, but is there interest for other places that this would pop up in? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, we have our seasonal locations, um, Hamptons and Palm Beach. Um, but, you know, I think that there's opportunity for Opal everywhere. So the more that we keep growing in terms of the artist community, the more that we'll, you know, network and connect and build a larger community. So as a founder uh, and someone who's really spearheading this whole thing and, and making it come together day to day, what are you most excited about? Like, what are in reflecting on this as you're building it? Like, what are the things that you sort of sit back and say, like, wow, we did that? Yeah, I think, you know, I think partnering with big fashion brands um, definitely was career defining moments for Opal specifically mm. partnering with Alexander McQueen and Versace and doing all of their VICs, as they called them, you know, very important clients. And those moments, I feel like are, you know, very credible for me. They to feel acknowledged by brands like that is very respectful. So I just, you know, I love those kind of collaborations. Those are really um, triggering moments for me of joy, for sure. Oh, love that. Um, talk to us. Are there any dream collaborations that you've got, you know, in the back of your mind where you're like, I really want this to happen that you're maybe working towards something that you feel comfortable disclosing? I'm definitely working on something new, um, okay. but I can't quite say what it is yet, Fair. but there is something exciting in the works, so you'll find out this fall. Okay. All right. Well, we will stay tuned for that. Um, looking very much forward to, to hearing more. Um, talk to us a little bit about the, the marketing engine. Um, how does that happen? How are we... I mean, at the beginning of our conversation, you were talking about aesthetic and sort of cultivating image, mm -hmm. uh, certainly branding. There's a lot of that going on. Um, how does that come together for you? I mean, it takes it takes a village, right? Um, I worked with Natalia Del Rivero Design. She did all of our branding and I read this amazing book called Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller. And it was just fascinating. Such a different world that we live in now with the internet that you really have to adapt and just use all of the tools that we have now and just really master all these like media facets to kind of grow. Do you ever feel like it's it's too much or is this something that's exciting to you as a founder? We feel like it's some people are like, oh, my God, it's the biggest motivator. I just want to go after it. And some people are like, you know, I, I do what I do. I definitely feel like it's the biggest motivation. It's, okay. it's almost like a sick obsession that you have that you just never stop thinking about it. There's always like, you know, something random will pop up or will, will trigger something that you've been trying to figure out or how to tell that story or how to, you know, get someone's attention. I don't know. It's like a, it's like an ongoing um, thought that never stops. Uh, so, I mean, you mentioned something to come in fall, which again, we're looking forward to. Um, where do you envision Opal going in a couple of years, um, five years, 10 years? Like, what does it look like for you? It looks massive, big, influential, powerful, I don't know where it, what it's going to be or, or what it's going to look like, but I'm excited to see all of the unknown things, you know, mm. I'm not uncomfortable by it. I'm just excited. Oh, well, I love that mindset. Um, and yeah, I mean, big things in store for sure. Uh, and again, we're going to be bothering you in a couple of months about what you're up to. Um, <laughs> 
as you've been dealing with this business aspect, um, you've certainly been doing work on the the side, as it were. I mean, maybe not the side, um, which continues to be celebrity clientele. I mean, if you look at your Instagram, you've got quite a roster. Um, would love to sort of dive into that because a lot of our audience is interested. I mean, you mentioned people wanting to be famous. That's certainly a component. Um, but often they want to work with proximity to fame, which is celebs. Um, so how did you get started? Um, would love to sort of understand what that looks like so that maybe somebody who's listening could think through like, oh, maybe I could try that. Again, assisting, you know, that's how you get your foot in the door is someone has to make that introduction, whether it be that um, musician or actress themselves, or whether it be the person that does their hair, maybe you're holding pins for them one day, and they're not available the next and you'll be doing the hair. You know, it's mm. really how it works. I can't really stress that enough. I feel like I never stop learning. I'm constantly looking at YouTube videos, asking my hairstylist friends how to recreate a look or do this. I think when you stop learning, it's, you stop going. And why would you want to do that? Mm. That's the pull quote. Uh, Edgar, beautifully put again uh, with another gem. Uh, so, all right, Edgar, when you're working with celebs, uh, how creative are you able to get? Is this a situation wherein they've come with some inspo or an idea? Are you working with the larger team? Um, do they give you free reign? Like, I'd love to, to hear about that. It really depends on what kind of project you're working on together, right? Is it a red carpet? Is it a fashion show? Is it a press day? Mm -hmm. You know, it really depends on your relationship with um, the client. Mm -hmm. But I... You know, I just try to gauge the room and know when I'm supposed to give my input and when not to. Um, specifically, I think um, my relationship with my clients, they trust me and they want my advice. Mm -hmm. I think it goes back to that groundwork of developing your aesthetic and your brand and having people know what that is. I think that that's the big struggle for, for artists is being consistent with that. Um, I think that people should see you for your work and not really um, feel like they can't trust that aesthetic, you know? So it just really depends on what you're doing. If you're doing something really specific, like a red carpet Megala look, then yeah, there's going to be conversations as to what the dress is like, what's the cut, what, you know, what's the neckline, what's that's that kind of stuff influences what the hair is going to do and what, you know, everything else looks like. And then you have that conversation. Have you ever had a situation where a client surprises you where they're like, we really want to go in a direction that you maybe didn't expect, where maybe it's like a, you always see this like in the movies, it's like, oh, they want to bang all of a sudden they want to this, they want to that. Has that ever happened? Or is this like, that's totally not a real thing? Yes, it has definitely happened. Specifically in salons, I think you see that a lot. People come in with unrealistic expectations of what their hair can do or what will look good on them. And I will say, whenever I have turned away a client that wants bangs, they end up doing it anyways. And then they come back and then they're like, oh, I should have listened to you. But I tried to save you from that. I'm sorry. <laughs> so it does happen. Wow. Well, you know, sometimes, yeah, you, sometimes you got to just live through it to, to learn about it. Um, that's tough. Uh, so back to celeb styling, um, sort of, you know, again, the negotiations, the trust exercises. 
Uh, what are you bringing with you to like make sure that you are fully prepped? Like what's in the kit? What are the things? And again, we have our listeners nerd out about this stuff. So yeah, like, are there tools that you swear by? Are there like pins that you're like, if I don't have this, it's not coming together. Like, what does that look like? I mean, in terms of kit, you bring anything you can possibly think of down to needle and thread and lint roller, because (laughs) even if you're not using it for the hair, it'll be resourceful in some other way. Um, Yeah, I cannot stress that enough. I feel like I have so many, I have like so many little trinket things, especially nowadays. I feel like people have such references that are so elaborate, like nobody wants just like, Mm a cute little blowout anymore. It's like a full on <laughs> Ariana moment. Like it's, yep. it's heavy, heavy styling. So queen for a day, definitely a must. And R and Co's fragrance spray. I feel like those two are must in the kit. Love, love both of those picks. So um, we might have to ask for some more later. <laughs> uh, talk to us a little bit about I mean, you mentioned sort of high inspo, high production. These looks are not, you know, again, a simple blowout anymore. Um, You've been known to do, as you mentioned earlier on the podcast, work with fashion shows. Um, In terms of the runway of it all, um, how does that differ for you? Uh, Do you like that aspect? Is that something that you like want to continue to be doing as part of your career? Or is that something that you did for a time and, and you really like that's not of interest to you any longer? Oh, no. I think never say never. Fashion Week is always a special time to be in New York, and it's the best memories that I have hairstyling. um, You learn the most that you will ever learn and take those techniques to places that you never thought you would take them to. I remember doing shows for Naeem Khan with Sally Hirschberger and, you know, taking those techniques and using them for weddings or for an editorial shoot. It just all translates and transpires into so many different facets of your career that you have to just take those moments in as they come because you may work Fashion Week one season. It doesn't mean that you're going to work the next. Beautifully put. Um, And you had mentioned this, that like, if you're not learning and you're not growing, like, what are you doing? Um, It seems like that's helped you throughout your career, though, where like one thing feeds the next thing. So, I mean, I want to pick your brain a little bit about what you just mentioned, which is that, you know, just because you did it one time doesn't mean you're necessarily going to do it again. Um, We currently are finding ourselves within beauty dealing with the larger writer and actor strike, um, which is obviously impacting a lot of people that work with celeb clientele. And, you know, it's throwing into question all sorts of are there going to be press tours coming up? Are there going to be award shows? Um, what are your thoughts on sort of like the goings on? Like, what does that look like for you in terms of a business owner with Opal, where maybe you were booking celeb clientele previously? No, of course. I mean, I think it affects everyone. It trickles down to the smallest person in the industry, you know, and we're all at a loss for this. And I think that you know, it needs to be resolved for sure. I think that as an artist, you have to try different avenues of your industry and just Mm. not put all of your eggs in one basket. You know, maybe when that opportunity comes back up, maybe you won't cancel that wedding or you won't cancel those clients so quickly. You have to kind of keep it at a balance to where you're never relying on something too much. Well, um, on that note, let's talk a little bit about sort of what's 
next for you outside of Opal? Um, we talked about something that's to come that, again, we're going to bother you about. But I mean, in terms of <laughs> what you're up to professionally outside of that, like what's next on your horizon? I mean, I'm a creative, you know, I'm constantly shooting, doing test shoots. I'm always working. I'm a creative mind. I like to just keep doing things and stay busy. So I would like to tap into more, you know, more of that, more into that passion of, you know, the pre-production of editorial shoots and testing things out and working and collaborating and, you know, telling a story and, you know, indulge in that a little bit more. Oh, well, I'm sure there's many, many more stories to tell. Um, Edgar, before we let you go, um, we're going to do our quick takes, which are the questions that we ask of all of our guests. Okay. We don't want you to think about it for too long. That's part of the fun. But, you know, <laughs> we are going to pick your brain a little bit. So okay. the first question that we got is what was the first ever product that you remember owning specific to beauty or hair? Like, what was that thing that you were like, I have got to have this if I don't my life will not be together when you were like, I don't know, 10, 12, the first thing. <laughs> the first product, I have to say gel. I was definitely a 90s baby and I had spiky hair. <laughs> Same. I have very fond memories of like the LA gel yeah. bottles with like what yellow or green, one of these colors, it doesn't matter, but yeah. Um, are you superstitious? And if so, about what? I'm not superstitious, but I do do this thing that I remember um, growing up, my parents used to uh, say that finding a penny heads up is good luck and you should always pick it up. Mm -hmm. But if it's not face up, I always like to turn it over so at least it'll be good luck for the next person that finds it. For someone else. Ah, Edgar, that's something like psychological. Um, all right. I like that. That's really beautiful. Uh, and connects to like other things that we've been talking about in terms of like learning and thinking about the next person. I love that. Um, all right. Who would play you in a biopic about your life? <laughs> Dreamcasting. Um, Johnny Depp. <laughs> okay. All right. Aim for the stars. Why not? Let's do it. Right. Uh, he's maybe looking for work. Uh, what do you consider to be the ultimate comfort food? Mexican food, for sure. Anything in particular or writ large? Ooh, birria. Bueno, pues. Uh, <laughs> say that you're on a deserted island and you can only bring three beauty products with you. Maybe these are the things that you talked about that are in your kits. What are those things that you're bringing? Are there other people on the island or just me? There could be, there could be, and you don't have to worry about like water, food, shelter. Like we're we're good. You're not going to die on this island. You're going to have a good time. So, what are the products you bring in? I think it has to be my Larouche Cosé uh, skin routine because I can't live without that. So, <laughs> amazing, amazing. Well, I love that for you. Um, Got to make sure that we're staying hydrated. Um, Edgar, it was a pleasure. Um, before we let you go, where can people find you online? Um, and where can they access Opal? They can follow me on Instagram at Eddie M. Para or at Opal Beauty. Easy. And we're going to include both in the show notes. So listeners, you can go and find both Edgar and Opal whenever you've got the time to do it. Uh, thank you so much for coming through on the Volume Up podcast. We really appreciate it. Thank you. And we will be bothering you in a couple of months <laughs> as regards whatever you're up to next. Thank you. Stay tuned. 
Such a good conversation with Edgar. I feel like I learned so much about his background and it's so inspiring when somebody actually knows what they want to do from the very jump. Um, I mean, you know, Kelly, like on this podcast, there's some circuitous pathways to beauty and for someone to be like, no, this is what I always wanted to do. It's kind of refreshing. Um, And then, yeah, like big, big deal having Opal and this whole thing that we're going to maybe hear about in a couple of weeks or month or so, depending. Uh, I can't wait. Edgar, we're going to hold you to it. Thank you so much for coming on the pod. And if you're not checking out Opal already, go and look it up online. Again, it's in the show notes, guys. Make it happen. Do it. Be sure you hit subscribe, rate, and review, and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok at Read the Tease and send in questions to volumeup at thetease.com. Volume Up is a Tease Media production. This episode was produced by Monica Hickey and Madeline Hickey. Brian Daly is our editor and audio engineer. Thank you to Josh Landowski and Nathan Folks for the custom Volume Up theme song. And thank you to our creative team for putting together the graphics for this episode.